like to invite you to rise if you're able and let's sing together this morning as we call one another into worship. to save us rose that we would be free if he has freed you this morning I want you to shout your hearts in praise for our Lord Jesus death was once my great opponent fear once had a hold on me but the sun who died to save us
Thank you for singing with us this morning. Today's a pretty special day. Um, we come to remember the heavy burden that Jesus took to give us the lives to live and love as we do today. Let your hearts be filled with gratefulness, with love, with freedom. In Christ that gives us all of those emotions and more.
may be seated. We join together this beautiful day, this Easter Sunday, in our opening prayer, turning our hearts and minds to God. Let us pray together. Almighty God, on this holy Sunday we come, and we are so grateful for the news that death has been defeated, for the news that the empty tomb has been revealed. Loving Lord, on this holy Sunday we come and we are glad that mourning and weeping have stopped and that the alleluias have begun. Loving Lord, on this holy Sunday we rejoice that lonely friends wandered in the garden and they saw you and they found good news again. Almighty God, on this holy Sunday, we come and we confess. We confess that we are stuck in the brokenness, in the violence, and the trauma of the weeks that have come before. Loving Lord, on this holy Sunday, we come and we confess that we are more comfortable with the silence of Saturday than with the resurrection speak hope of this day. Almighty God, on this holy Sunday, we come and we trust that we bring our whole selves before you in worship and that you will meet us here. Loving Lord, on this holy Sunday, we come and we believe in the grace that you have shown us. We believe in the good that you intend for us and our world. And loving Lord, on this holy Sunday, we come and we trust in your power to change our lives, in your power to remake the world. For this is the good news of Easter. This is following after the risen Lord. So on this holy Sunday, we come to hear and we come to sing. Alleluia. Amen. And Lord, we come before you now praying together the words that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand again as we sing this morning of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And I invite you to lend your voice. Maybe you've heard this song before, maybe you haven't, but wherever the Lord calls you this morning, he calls us all to make a joyful noise, whether it's on pitch or not. God is far more concerned with the attitudes of our hearts than the accuracy of our pitch. 
And so let's come and bring a joyful noise together. Amen. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope and no place to begin. Your love made a way to make mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace so free washes over me You have made me new, now life begins with you
Please be seated. Friends, good morning. Good to see everyone this morning. Happy Easter. Uh, my name is Tony Sundermeyer. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church. Let me welcome you uh, to this third hour of worship on this Easter uh, Sunday. Uh, those who are with us in person, it's great to see so many of you. I uh, also want to welcome all of you who are with us uh, online, uh, worshiping with us uh, live stream or, uh, or on demand. We're so thankful that you're a part of this worship service as well. I want to offer a special welcome to those of you who are with us for the very first time. We do hope and feel that, hope and pray rather, that you feel connected, uh, that you feel at home here. We're going to do our very best to help make that possible. One thing that you can help us uh, know is that you are here. Uh, if you look at page 14 in your order for service, whether you have a hard copy or you have a soft copy online, uh, there's a little QR code that says first time visitors. If you are with us for the first time, take a picture of that uh, and then follow the link and then fill out the prompts on that jot form. I promise you 100% no one will show up at your house for Easter dinner, but we will send you a simple email just thanking you for joining us in worship and welcoming you and sharing a little bit about uh, the life of the church. If you are uh, regularly worshiping with us, uh, you know the drill, the QR code that is on the screen or on page 22 uh, on the right-hand corner. Please do check in. Let us know that you're with us uh, this morning. Also on page 22, uh, you'll find ways to get connected to various ministries and opportunities in the life of uh, the church. Uh, you go to page 23, you'll see some announcements of what's happening uh, here at First Prez. Uh, someone said, Easter's like our Super Bowl. Well, we still play a game next week, okay? Uh, we have a lot going on uh, in the life of the church. I want to call your attention to our second annual Mental Health Connections Week. That is a collaboration with the Will for Hope Foundation, the Samaritan Counseling Center, and the church, April 25th through May the 1st. You'll see that little blurb uh, on page 23. You'll also note other opportunities for faith formation, uh, for global mission. Uh, our youth ministry is off tonight, but uh, resumes next Sunday night. If you are a teenager, middle school and high school, wonderful, wonderful ministries. And then our children's ministries also resume uh, next Sunday as well. Well, we are an exciting season in the life of the church. Uh, and on this Easter Sunday, which is a Sunday where we bring the good news that God is alive, uh, we also want to bring some really good news about our Campus Master Planning Project and our Capital Campaign. And when we were thinking about who to deliver this message of good news, we couldn't think of anyone better than John McCall. He's an elder and a trustee in our church. And for the past four plus years, uh, he has been the chair of our Campus Master Planning Project. And I've invited him at all of our services uh, to share just a little bit of the excitement and what's happening and what you can expect uh, the next couple of months here at First Prez. Let's welcome John. Good morning. As Tony said, I'm John McCall, and uh, thank you for indulging me for a little bit. My wife and I um, have been members of the First Presbyterian Church community since 1993. We raised our three children in this church, uh, to be quite candid, and with a lot of support and guidance and advice from many of you 
Over the past three decades, I've been involved with the stewardship of the physical facilities of this church in a variety of ways. I was honored by your trust and respect in allowing me to lead a faithful group uh, on a path towards a renovation in 2008. Several years ago, I was asked to lead a wonderful group on a path towards another renovation. But this time, we crafted a, a transformational vision supporting the principles and the desires of this community. This is by far the most exciting project I've been involved in with the church. And in honest, I have to tell myself that it's probably the best in my career. I'm honored to be a part of something so special that will impact so many lives for the next century. Thank you for letting me share my gifts on this important project. Now let me share some news around our project. We already hired a great consulting team in Hauser Walker and the many sub-consultants they've put together. We've now hired a capable general contractor in J.E. Dunn and a capable program manager in DaVinci Development Collaborative. I've had history with both firms and they will serve us well. This is an important time in our project. For this is when we have the dreams meet reality. The project team is seeking that reality now and report that to us in the first week of May. The capital campaign is seeking reality and they have asked us all to formalize our support for the project by the end of April. To date, more than 250 families have pledged over $33 million towards our goal of $40 million. This is remarkable in itself and certainly something to be cherished as we have all been blessed with many gifts to share. As I said, reality always gets in the way of dreams, but as Easter reminds us, we serve a big God capable of amazing things. God has given us a big, bold vision for our church to prepare for the next century of ministry. So, I said we're at a sort of a turning point. And let me tell you, they asked me to dome my hat. Mine says cousins. But today I was able to share with Tony his new hat as we embark on the next phase, the true decision phase. Over the next 45 days, we will deliver to session a full report of the projected cost of our vision, together with a plan for implementation. Our capital campaign report will be coupled with this and that's so that the session can make a decision on how we proceed. Notably, we're ready to start. So we're gonna get our PPE out, start having people run around with vests and hats on, be a little bit of noise, a little bit of dust. But sometime the end of June to the middle of July, we will start on the first floor of the Smith Building, renovating that floor to begin the process of dominoes that will happen all the way through all the buildings on the campus. Floors two through four of the Smith Building will follow the first floor. It's a very exciting time and we are ready to perform the task needed to make the outcome the best it can be, given the realities of the economy, the reality of cost, the construction environment, and our financial capacity. No, 
that we are all traveling the path together and we are applying solid stewardship every day from your support, trust, and respect in every single step we take. I personally thank you on behalf of the whole committee and all those working on this project for your acceptance of this visionary path. Thank you. I know you're supposed to wear a hat for Easter, but I don't know if this fits. Um, John, thank you so much. Uh, friends, if you are brand new to us and you want to see what we're talking about, you can certainly visit online. We also have lookbooks at various kiosks throughout the campus. Take one with you. Uh, it's a, a colored booklet that shows you some uh, pictures and drawings of, of what we're aiming toward. We've had 250 households, as John said, make a commitment. We have 900 households in the church. Uh, and so we're hoping, our goal is to get to 500 households. And again, we're hoping to do that by the end of April. So the push is on. Uh, we're so thankful that we have the opportunity to participate in this wonderful work. And again, as John said, I want to thank the congregation for their incredible generosity thus far and the gifts that are still to come. We turn to the word of God. Our first scripture reading is from the Psalms. Hear now the word of God for you who are the people of God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. There are glad songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not give me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And another reading from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. After he has destroyed every ruler and every authority, 
and every power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Amen. Our third and final text is from the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter, verses 1 to 12. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And the women found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and Returning from the tomb, they, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to the apostles an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open uh, this word afresh to us this day so that we would be changed that we would be transformed, that we would even be new creations, made and shaped in the love and grace, mercy and justice of the one whose resurrection we celebrate this hour, even Jesus the Christ. It's in his name. Amen. Well, following uh, the noon Monday Thursday service this past week, I was still in my robe and I, I came to the kitchen right here behind these doors uh, to bring the leftover communion bread uh, and to put it into the refrigerator. And as I exited Fifield Hall, I made a right and I discovered that the preschool had just let out and, and all the kids, when that happens, uh, sort of line up or sit down in pods uh, around these hallways waiting for their parents or guardians to come and to pick them up. Now, it was the last day before Easter break, and so there was a certain excitement in the air. Uh, adding to that excitement, the kids just completed an all-campus Easter egg hunt. And so these little children, three, four, five years old, had baskets and bags filled with plastic eggs, each egg containing a little piece of candy or a toy or a little trinket. So I approached, I approached rather, the, the group of children that were sitting just right outside here, a younger group, maybe two or, or three years old, and I, and I kneeled down and I said, how was the Easter egg hunt? And they all said, it was great, it was great. And, and I looked one of the little girls in the eye and I, and I said, would you like to share a piece of candy with me? 
And she said, no way. <laughs> and then I looked at the girl who was sitting next to her and I said, how about you? Would you like to share a piece of candy? And she giggled and she said, no. And then I asked another student and another student and another student and all of them said, no way, no way. It's our candy. And I was laughing with them. It was playful and it was all in good fun. But as I left, I said, no one's going to give me a piece of candy? And they all in unison said, no! So I walked on. I was heading to my office as I turned the corner and I, I had to pass another class that was waiting uh, to be picked up. Uh, and in this group of preschoolers, I noticed or I, I recognized some of the kids from our church. They're both church members and uh, part of our, our preschool. And, and one of those little boys in that particular group is a child named William Apt. I know William pretty well, and so I, I kneeled down and I said, hey, William, did you get some candy at the Easter egg hunt? And he said, I sure did, and he held up his basket and showed me all of his plastic eggs. I then asked, uh, do you think, William, that maybe you could share a piece of candy with me? And without missing a beat, he said, sure, Pastor Tony. And he took out uh, an egg and he, and he cracked it. And he had me open my hands and a little Three Musketeers bar fell right into my palm. I said, thank you, William. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, the child that was sitting next to William is a boy named Barrett. And Barrett watched the, this whole thing transpire. And then Barrett stood up, came to me, and he handed me a bag of Skittles. And then two kids that were just across the hall, but same of the but part rather of the same cohort in the same pot, they came over and handed me two Easter eggs each. And then three more children came. And by the end, every single child in that little pot, in that little class, had either given me an egg or a piece of candy to the point that my left hand was filled with candy and my right hand was filled with plastic Easter eggs. So I thank the children as as each one shared with me, and then I thanked them collectively, and I told them all that I was going to share this candy with friends of mine here at the church. I walked toward my office, and I peeked into the Thursday noon men's Bible study, and I dumped all the candy on the table. And as I walked out, I said, if you want to know the backstory, you have to come to Easter Sunday. <laughs> but before I did that, I, I did take... A look back toward William as my hands were completely and totally full. And William flashed me a smile as if he understood what he had just done. And I was amazed. Friends, sometimes it takes just one person to turn the tide. Sometimes it takes just one person to turn the tide. Sometimes it takes just one person to transform a cacophony of, of no's into a chorus of yeses. Sometimes it takes just one person to start a movement of joy and generosity. Sometimes it takes just one person to prove that another way is possible. And on this Easter Sunday, friends, we do nothing less than profess that there is such a person. 
that there is such a person who has turned the tide. There is a person who has transformed no's into yeses and who has started a movement of joy and reconciliation and justice and mercy and forgiveness and grace and love. A person who has even invited us to join that movement. And that person's name is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And in his resurrection, God said no to the principalities and powers that justified his rejection and torturous crucifixion. God said no to human propensity toward spiritual and emotional and physical violence. God said no to sin and estrangement. God said no, fear and death will not have the final word, not on my watch. In Jesus Christ, the tide was turned. As God said yes to life, God said yes that the kingdom of God will prevail, that God said yes to the forgiveness of sins, that God, in fact, said yes to you and to me, saying that you are my child and there is nothing that can separate you from my love. When the women went to Jesus' tomb to anoint his body with, with spices as it was customary in their culture, they, they, thought, they thought the movement was over. They thought that the tide couldn't be turned. They thought it ended with Jesus' final breath following his execution. They thought the principalities and powers had won the day. But when they arrived at the tomb, and that they saw that the tombstone had been rolled away, and they saw that there was no corpse inside of that tomb, they began to wonder what sign was this. And as they wondered, all of a sudden, two angelic beings show up in their presence and declare that Jesus is not to be found here, but, but that God had raised him from the dead, that he is, in fact, alive. The women then, led by Mary Magdalene and, and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, went back to the disciples who had been hiding out since Jesus' arrest. And, and the women told the men what they had seen. The disciples, however, except for Peter, the whole of the disciples, except for him, did not trust their testimony. They did not trust the women's witness. It seemed to them, in Luke's words, an idle tale. That Greek word literally means nonsense, folly, gibberish, rubbish. They thought it was nonsense. They didn't trust the testimony. I was driving to an appointment on, on Tuesday afternoon when I, I found myself behind a car with a modified license plate. You know how in Georgia... At the bottom of a license plate, it'll either say one of two things. It'll either say the county where the car is registered, Fulton, Cobb, DeKalb, or it will say, in God we trust. Right? You've seen this if you live in Georgia. It'll say the county or it'll say, in God we trust. Well, this particular license plate of the car in front of me had been modified on the bottom. It didn't have the county name, nor did it have the mantra, in God we trust. Instead, it had a revised mantra. And literally, it said, we trust no one. We trust no one. 
Now, it's no secret that we live in an age of distrust. And, and the data proves it so, right? According to the Pew Research Center, our trust of the military, scientists, school teachers, police officers, college professors, religious leaders, journalists, the media, business leaders, governments, institutions, elected leaders, our trust in all of these is on the decline. And we're formed. We live, we breathe the air of this age of distrust. And so we might find ourselves regularly fitting into the sandals of the disciples that did not trust the women's testimony. We may resonate deeply with them. But Luke, the writer, doesn't want to leave us resonating with them alone. And that's where he introduces us to Peter once again. Peter, the one who had denied Jesus just days earlier, was now running to the tomb to verify with his own eyes the women's testimony. And when he arrives, he finds things exactly as the women describe them to be. And Luke tells us that Peter went home amazed. That he went home amazed. You see, sometimes it just takes one yes. Sometimes it takes just one, I'll go and see with my own eyes for everything to change, for us to change. In this gospel account, I think what Luke is doing is setting us up with the big question. Do we find ourselves in the sandals of the disciples who do not trust the women's testimony? Or do we find ourselves in the place of Peter, willing, courageously, getting up, rising up, and moving toward the thing we need to see, the thing that God has done for us and for the life of the world? A few weeks ago, uh, one of my uh, colleagues who serves in our custodial services department, her name is Carolyn, Many of you know Miss Carolyn, if you've been around. She was startled to find something peculiar in the women's restroom just outside of these doors and to the left. It was an urn. It was an urn. And it was left on the counter next to the sink. And once Miss Carolyn realized that it was an urn and that it was filled with ashes, she immediately took it to one of our staff members. They opened it up and they found a driver's license belonging to the deceased. His name was Mr. Jones. And in addition to the driver's license, there was a note from his widow. And it read something like, like this. I, I didn't know what else to do. I thought this church could help. I thought this church could help. And so our staff helped locate Mrs. Jones Mr. Jones's widow, and it, and it turns out that our pastor for community, her name is Kay Culver, already had a friendship with Mrs. Jones, but she had no idea that her husband had died. And in that week, we, we, we gather each week on Mondays, but in that particular week, we gathered as a pastoral team and agreed that if we had the opportunity to do so, that we would do an internment service for Mr. Jones in our memorial garden. One day, completely and totally unannounced, Mrs. Jones showed up to our campus and she was meeting with Trisha Pasuth, our director of community ministries. And Mrs. Jones let Trisha know that, that that particular day that she was showing up happened to also be the birthday of her deceased husband. It was Mr. Jones's 
birthday, and she asked Trish if they could do the service that day. Well, Reverend Kate had, had already left, and Trisha was kind of wandering the halls with, with Mrs. Jones when all of a sudden, our, one of our pastors, Rob Sparks, our pastor for care, came around the corner, almost running in to the two women. And Trisha said, Rob, this is Mrs. Jones, the one that we had talked about in our meeting last week. And she's wondering, since today is her husband's birthday, if, if, if we could lead the service and inter his ashes right now. Rob immediately went up to his office. He grabbed his robe and he grabbed his pastoral prayer book and he met them out in the garden, just the three of them. And Rob began the service as we typically do in these moments. He began with scripture. Do not be afraid, he read. I'm the first and the last and the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever because I live, you also will live. He went through those words and through some customary prayers, and then it was time to inter Mr. Jones's ashes into the memorial garden. And Rob, as he often does, asked Mrs. Jones if she wanted to be the one to pour out his ashes into the garden. She agreed. Now, typically when this happens, you hold the urn or you hold the box and you simply pour it out into a plot or just on the top of of, of the grass, but, but Mrs. Jones put the, put the urn around her arm and she got down on her knees and she put her hand inside the urn, grabbing a handful of ashes and letting them fall to the green grass. And she did this over and over and over again. Her eyes filled with tears. She broke the somberness of the moment by saying, I didn't realize there were gonna be that many ashes. She said, I always told my husband he needed to lose weight. And the three laughed out loud. But then as she got to the end of the ashes in the urn, tears started to form heavy once again in her eyes. And she said to Trisha and Rob, I just wish, I just wish I had one thing to remember my husband by. I, I, wish, I wish I had his wedding ring. She took the urn and, and she could feel that she was at the bottom and, and she started to pour the ashes out and the final ashes slowly fell into the palm of her hand when all of a sudden, before their eyes, Mr. Jones's wedding ring fell on top of the final ashes. When Rob told us this story, he said, if I wasn't there to see it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. He said, I was amazed. Peter wanted to verify the women's testimony and see it with his own eyes. And perhaps you do too. Perhaps you do too. You want to see it with your, with your own eyes, but you're not quite sure where to look. After all, the tomb is, is 2,000 plus years away from us. Or perhaps we are low on trust in these days. Or perhaps we have found ourselves far too many times being vulnerable and putting ourselves out there into the hands of people or into the things that we think will, will, will change everything only to be left disappointed or apathetic or cynical. And friends, I want to close with this. When I'm not sure where to look, and I have those days, when I'm not sure where to look, when I'm low on trust, when I'm not sure if I want to take the next leap of faith, I turn toward people 
who demonstrate a lived belief in Easter. I turn toward people who demonstrate resurrection in their own faith and life. That means I turn toward people like William Apt and Barrett, who show me the resurrection in their generosity and kindness. I, I turn toward people like Trisha Pasuth and Kate Culver and see the way resurrection is made known through their care of our most vulnerable friends and neighbors. I turn toward folks like Rob Sparks and see the way resurrection is made known through his time and attention with people who are walking in the valley of the shadow of death. I turn toward folks like John McCall who gives time and energy because he believes in the resurrection. He believes that God can make things new, even us. And I turn toward people like Mrs. Jones, a woman who holds out her hand in hope that God will give her exactly what she needs for the facing of this hour. Friends, I turn to this church. I turn to this church, this local body of Christ, and see resurrection come to life. Therefore, what I see is not an idle tale. I don't see an idle tale. I see the truth that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that that has changed us and has the possibility to change our world. When I look for Easter, I see it in you. I see it in this community. And I am amazed. And I hope this Easter, you are too. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Loving and living God, we praise you. We give you thanks that death could not hold your purposes, that the grave was not the final answer, that despair is not ultimate, and that through the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, you are in fact making all things new. We praise you, O oh God, for that newness. We praise you for the signs of resurrection that break into our lives. Through the kindness of small children. Through the companionship and the journey of grief. For the anticipation of new things, O oh God. We pray in this Easter season that you would lead us to be amazed. And whether we find ourselves running like Peter or stumbling or even like the women coming to a place that we are convinced is dead and buried and hopeless. May you lead us to be amazed. Open our eyes to the amazing things that you are doing in our homes, 
in our communities, in this city, and even in this world. God, there is so much in this world that suggests that the message of those women, our very first evangelists, is an idle tale. When we think about war and violence, when we think about discord and distrust, the world asks us if it is just an idle tale. We pray, O oh God, that you would use us, that you would stir us, that we would be amazed. And that somehow others would come to be amazed by the new things that you are doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, this church is entirely and utterly grateful for the continued generosity through these years in any form, in any fashion. And so we pray, if you are feeling led, that you would continue to support this church. There is a QR code on page 16 where you can give. We are grateful for your support and your partnership in this resurrection life that we live together. Amen. For those who um, don't know where to look, uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to, to find a faith community where where you can see Easter come to life. For those who are here and continue to be here, you know this to be true. For those who are looking for a faith community, looking for a church home, whether you're live streaming or, or uh, here in person, we want to help encourage you to do that. Because that's where Easter happens. That's where resurrection life takes place. It's in community. It's in our, in our midst. And we want you, and I, my prayer and our staff's prayer is that, is that you would be amazed by this that your life could even be changed. And so keep looking. And if we can help, let us know. We want to help you find that amazement and that empty tomb. And may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. May his peace live inside of you this day and every day ahead. Amen. Friends, go in peace and happy Easter.